You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Helen, with you for Farmer's Kitchen. We were broadcasting live from the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. So expect some golf chat. But as ever on Farmer's Kitchen, it is all about the food. In conversation with superstar chef Jason Atherton on his upbringing, his predictions for the future of food. Plus, we were taking you to Italy. Getting the skinny on, is pizza an acceptable breakfast food? We were finding out. Plus, everything you need to know about Wagyu. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're talking food and nutrition now as the debate rages on. Do you consider pizza to be healthier than your average breakfast cereal? We're bringing in Lina Dumani, clinical dietitian at the Department of Diet and Nutrition at the Jumeirah branch at Medcare Medical Center. More than 25 years of experience to settle this debate or maybe ask us some questions to make us think. How are you, Lena? I'm fine. How are you? I'm really well. I had pizza for my lunch, so I'm a little bit nervous about how this conversation is going to unfold. Before we get to the crux of the matter, though, tell us a little bit about what keeps you busy in clinic. What are some of the questions, the concerns, the challenges that UA residents are having with their diet and nutrition? Well, mostly, lately, it has been about weight gain, um, diabetes mostly, Mm -hmm. which are very much um, intertwined and related to each other. And and people like get put on weight and they don't know why. And after trying going to the gym five days, five times a week, uh, trying multiple diets, but then they get stuck somewhere and they get frustrated. Mm -hmm. This is the main question is that putting on weight very quickly and getting in the loop and not getting out of it. What can we point to? And I know obviously everybody's different in terms of their genetics and lifestyle factors. But have you noticed any kind of overreaching trends as to why Dubai residents might be putting on that? dreaded Dubai stone or two or three? Well, the the, um, lifestyle changes, the environment. Most people who are newcomers actually find this more overwhelming than people who have been here for 20 years because they've adapted to the new life Mm -hmm. of Dubai and they would do more exercise and they would try to pick up the more healthier version uh, of dishes and everything. The newcomers will get hit by the, let's say... <laughs> the wild at the branches. <laughs> the the, the six-month syndrome or the first-year um, first year mm-hmm. syndrome of putting on uh, some weight because they tend to stay behind the desk more and can't put hours into the gym and tend to go to restaurants more. And restaurant food on a daily basis, as you know, Helen, can um, add up, is very dense and can up a lot of calories as well a lot of butter in professional kitchens and we don't know what's going in I think I mean I know when I'm back in the UK I walk a lot more than I do in Dubai and it's a real conscious choice isn't it to hit whatever step count you think works for you but it's good to know that you know everyone listening today who's probably like yeah and you you can observe the French community actually French out of the European community the French people are the healthiest they don't have heart disease problems or anything but when they come here in France, they tend to walk more, but they eat every single meal and it's full of butter, fries and everything. But when they come here, they tend to put on weight because they're sedentary kind of life and they change their eating. It's not, you know, as fresh as they used to have it in their own hometown. We are blessed when we think about, you know, the availability of amazing restaurants and takeout. But yeah, it's easy. It's easy to get a bit overexcited. So you must have learned over the years, Helen, oh, right? I certainly <laughs> have. I certainly have. <laughs> Um, Lena, I wanted to ask you, as a nutritionist, between pizza and a bowl of breakfast cereal, what do you think is the healthier option? 
Well, it depends. I mean, I'm 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 a nutritionist who is for all kinds of foods. You can you, you can eat whatever you want and make it as healthy as you want. It depends. But in general, if we're talking about the traditional kind of off-the-shelf cereal, can hold a lot of um, sugar and additives. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that sense, pizza can be healthier because pizza, pizza is basically a piece of uh, flour, bread with some tomatoes and cheese. But it a pizza at the same time can be very calorific. I think it, it yeah. depends on how it's made, the, Absolutely. The, the, the quality of the ingredients. But I was thinking about this and, you know, it, you know, being in the Middle East, you know, my kids have cheese manish a, a lot for breakfast. You know, we frisbee it at yeah. them at various points in the week because it's so easy. And I was thinking, well, pizza's just like, you know, cheese bread, but with some extra vitamins in there. Yes. But we have this association that it's health, you know, it's unhealthy, it's takeout food, you know, it's not appropriate for that time of day. But... You can't compare like for like. You can't compare, you know, a homemade healthy granola with your unicorn Fruit Loops. You can't compare a deep pan, you know, stodgy super processed pizza versus one that's been made fresh by you or it's absolutely or thin. Absolutely, thin the the thing about if you want to have this manakish or or pizza regular. Italian traditional pizza, not fried pizza. Fried pizza, those ones that are processed, can carry around 500 calories and very high in saturated fat. But the traditional one is actually you can play around with it. You can do it with with bran flour or wholemeal flour. And it has more uh, protein and fat, Mm -hmm. which will give you satiety for breakfast for a long period of time compared to a fruity loop uh, cereal. Um, in an ideal world, if we're thinking about setting ourselves up for a day in the healthiest way, what would be on our plate? What do you tend to advise with clients who really want to kind of supercharge their nutrients starting when they wake up? Or maybe a few hours later after they wake up. I don't yeah, know, if you, you tell me. <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm a big advocate for breakfast. Uh, I mean, now with everything, some people try to postpone breakfast for a while with uh, all this intermittent fasting. I mean, it works for people who are used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been I've been raised in a way to have breakfast and I've raised my kids. I wanted to always make sure that they won't leave home before having breakfast because I don't know what goes on in school. <laughs> so <laughs> spending their money somewhere unwise. Yeah. So at least you know that they've had something healthy. What What would be a good, um, let, let's, let's talk kids actually, if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. For, a, for a good kid's breakfast, and we're putting the sugary, sugary cereal back on the shelf, mm. what, would you, what would you advise? First of all, don't fight with your child if he wants this sugary cereal. It's not worth it, you know. Um, it's not worth putting a fight with a picky eater or a seven-year-old child who wants every now and then this uh, Cocoa Pops or, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm chocolatey cereal. Yeah. Um, but you can, you can bargain on it in a way that over the five days school, he can have two days a week to have it or not. And on the other days, you can balance it out with a healthy breakfast or to make sure that he's having the nutrients, uh, a good nutritional value of breakfast that has a protein, which mm-hmm. like a Greek yogurt or labne or, or uh, white cheese, feta cheese with cucumber, tomato that has beta carotene, the nice vitamins and minerals and some bread healthy bread that's not high in sugar to kickstart the day uh, and give them some energy because not, I mean, when we think about carbs uh, these days, everybody is holding such a grudge over carbs and it makes me really sad. Me too. <laughs> we need them. We, th- those who has abused 
the <laughs> the use of carbs, you know, has made them a culprit. But actually, especially kids in the morning, this is what gives them energy. Mm-hmm. And especially for others who want to hit the gym. I mean, it depends what you want to do in the gym. Obviously, you cannot eat and go to the gym. You need at least two hours between uh, going to the gym and having your breakfast breakfast. Um, because of blood volume basically goes to the muscles and it won't be efficient. I mean, some blood volume go to the digestive system to digest or to the muscles, so there's an efficiency. So you need to give it some time and it depends what you want to do. Yeah, your goals. Yeah. A couple of messages for you, Lena. One from Lisa saying, good grief, cold pizza is a classic breakfast treat. The only problem is not eating it all the night before. Yes. (laughs) That's true. Um, No name on this one saying, weight is really basic, calories in, calories out. You can't confuse the two. Weight management with nutritional eating to be healthy. I put on weight when I work out. And again, that yes. comes back to your, to your goals, you know, in, in terms of how, how you, I mean, there's that, you know, you can't out-train a bad diet. Abs are made in the kitchen. And you're saying there, you know, earlier about people in Dubai coming to you a bit confused about why they're gaining weight when they're working out five times a week. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it all boils down. Sometimes there are many factors to this. Uh, first of all, initially, there's maybe muscle weight gain that doesn't show on, the sc- on a regular scale. But it might show on the tape measure. Yes. And second, some people, um, psychologically, they think that I'm training, they tend to eat more. And some kind of exercises that cause like stress exercises, high impact or mostly they do cardio to lose the weight but actually they're fighting as if they're swimming against you know a huge tide mm-hmm. um, it opens the appetite as well and they tend to eat more uh, i know from myself sometimes when i do um, cycling i i'm hungry all day <laughs> I, I did a spinning class this morning and i had a pizza for my lunch yeah but i, th- I think sometimes it, it can work either way sometimes you can justify it and you go oh i, I burnt 800 calories spinning this morning so i can eat xyz or i think it's in an ideal world, things go hand in hand. You exercise and go, I don't want to have wasted an hour in the gym this morning, so why would I jeopardize it with junk? Exactly. The problem is is that you have to have your way of eating has to be the same wherever you are, mm-hmm. whoever you are. So if you're here or in London or wherever, but probably your activity level might change. Mm-hmm. And accordingly, you might modify your meal plan or the way you eat sometimes. I mean, you cannot eat the same every day, but you can modify it over the weekend. We all tend to eat over than that. Mm-hmm. But thinking this th- thought of, I went to the, to the gym, then I can eat, is really very dangerous. You're, ex- you're not exercising to lose weight. You're exercising, the, the benefits of exercise are long-term. You're and, and mental as well as physical. Absolutely. Lena, thank you so much for your time today. Um, we'd love to have another chat on there, but it's not settling the debate, but certainly clarifying some of the things we need to be asking before we tuck into those leftover pizzas in the next morning. Um, <laughs> so, Lena Dumani is joining us from Medcare Medical Clinic, where she is a clinical dietitian. If you want her details, you can just send me send me the word diet for to make it easy, and I'd be happy to share your details, Lena, if that's okay. If anyone wants to get into yes, for sure. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Wishing you a wonderful weekend ahead. Go and enjoy the sunshine. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We've got a very busy studio right next to the driving range at Emirates Golf Club. It is, of course, day two of the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. And we've got two of the busiest men, I think, in town joining us on the sofa. We've got Simon Corkill, the executive director of Hero Dubai Desert Classic. And we've got our man on the ground out and about. Zane Scotland is having a much-deserved sit-down. Simon, how are you? 
I'm very well. It's lovely to be sitting in you here with you. You look very rested and relaxed. I have to say, the event is unfolding so beautifully. And we're going to be catching up on what's happening on the, on the leadership board in just a second. How long is this in the planning for? It's, it's a year-long process. So, uh, so on, on Monday morning, you'll be starting on 2025? Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. We, we, we look at the events and everything that went well, everything that didn't go well, and we sit down and we go, let's go again and improve and, and improve it every, every year with little steps. Tell us about some of the key changes that you've made for 2024. I mean, I'm not a golfer, um, but, you know, as a, as a visitor, um, as someone who's enjoying some food and some family and the hospitality, from, for the public, I feel like it's a really, really elevated experience. What changes have you been making? Um, we've, we've always had the, the mentality that it's uh, an event, not just a golf event, mm. and uh, basically for everyone to come down and have fun. So we really targeted uh, families. Uh, one of the key things we're doing today, actually, at 3 o'clock is, is the Family Beats, which is a rave for families and, and their kids. So I'm looking Just forward to seeing wait. that. Just wait. Five past five. I'll be there reliving my teens, 20s, dancing days. Um, there's a massive kids area, actually. You've got inflatables. There's slime. Absolutely loads. Yeah, there's craft areas. There's a sustainability corner. So there's, there's lots for, for the children and families to do. Uh, there's lots of food trucks. Um, we've got a great new concept, the, the range by Callaway this year, which uh, basically you can come onto the range, hit next to the pros, and actually have your swing sort of analysed and see how far you hit it. So that's a, a great new initiative this year. Zane Scotland, thank you for spending some time with us. You're going to be catching us up with all of the latest action all the way through the afternoon. Um, for a bit of context, tell us a little bit about what was happening yesterday and I guess what's happening on the leaderboard today so far. Yeah, kind of two different days really. Yesterday was quite unique. The, the scoring tends to be that quite good here you know something something normally pulls away and has a really low score that wasn't the case yesterday yesterday we had the uh, four players on minus five but it's all quite bunched up and then first thing this morning cam young the american decided to switch that button off and he went around an eight under par starting oh, wow. around the golf we actually got to nine under par at one point for his round and bogeyed his last hole by hitting it in the water uh, golf just has that funny way of like when you think you've like got it Comfort it just zone. comes and just taps you on the back and goes no not 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 quite <laughs> <laughs> What's at stake over the next few days in terms of prize, prestige? It's a Rolex event, which is a, one of the elevated events among the, the tour now. $9 million, you know, there's a wow. big, big uh, amount of money is to play for. Is it too for. late for a career yeah, change? A bit, bit late. Damn huh? it. But my children, we could get yep, them ready for the next one. If you need an invite, it's probably the guy to sit next to to ask. <laughs> we, could, we could probably put in a word for you. $9 million. Is that a prize pot or is that going to That's number a pri- one? That's a prize pot. What does the winner get? Uh, it's uh, just over $1.5 million. So it's a, it's a good week's work in, in any, any sport around the world. Not and even a week. That's I, incredible. I, actually, just on the prestige side, I think... You're talking about the money, but the, the role of honour we've got here at the event is amazing. We've had Seve Ballesteros, the great Seve Ballesteros, won in 92. Tiger Woods has won it a couple of times. Rory's going for his fourth. Wow. Just the role of honour is amazing. And this is the 35th um, iteration of this. So do come on down. We're going to be talking next about food, about more family, about sustainability, because you might have noticed if you are coming down, you won't have a ticket. Uh, it is the big focus of this year's event. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
We've got golfing insider Zane Scotland with us and also stolen away from a very busy day, the executive director of the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, Simon Corkill. Simon, I said earlier, still some free tickets available to come on down. Um, what's the pickup been like? I mean, the atmosphere this afternoon is fantastic. How many are you coming through the door over the next few days? Well, there's still a, still available. Uh, it's, it's free admission. Uh, you have to register at DubaiDesertClassic.com and then you download the app and then and you're in. And uh, the, there's still a few available, but the, the registration numbers are extremely strong, so we're expecting bumper crowds well, Saturday and Sunday, definitely. Weather is beautiful. You've got loads planned for this afternoon as well. Um, can we come back to that app? Because there's no ticket. This is, this is part of the sustainability drive, pun fully intended. What else has been happening across the site and around the event with that in mind? Yeah, it, it, certainly that's one of the... To go paperless across the site is important. So uh, as a tournament... Uh, we became a geo-certified event in 2023. We started our journey in 2022, uh, got the cert certification a year early, so we're very happy about that. But it's it's only baby steps in regards to that. We've we've added sort of solar panels to a number of key areas: the media center, the tournament office, the tour office, the, uh, and the, the car park here. So there's there's lots of little things we're doing. We're working with Dubai Can on making sure there's no single-use plastic from bottles. So there's refillable stations. Uh, and there's every little sort of touch point we try to improve things. We, 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 we're not changing the world, but we're trying to get people to to have really good habits in this space. I think it's just the choice, isn't it, to try and just do better and remind us all. And as you said, you know, you can buy your water bottle when you come in and the station's all around. Now, I had a, a nosy around yesterday, whizzed around on a golf buggy. And I will have to say the the public experience You've got new viewing terraces and platforms. Um, can I ask you, Zane, when it comes to, I guess, being watched, um, do some golfers enjoy that? Do some people rather not have that? Can it impact the game? I think as a professional golfer, you know that actually this is what it's actually all about. Mm -hmm. As much as as much as we used to think, oh, it's all about our golf and, you know, it's all about the pros here. The, the pros are a tiny part of this whole process. I mean, when I used to play, I used, to, you know, I used to think, oh, the whole world revolves around you. But now being on the other side, you know, coming and chatting to yourself and, and being seeing the other parts of the tournament, you realise, actually, it, it, so much goes on. And it, yes, it comes down to Sunday afternoon where you get to that, we follow that golfer, you know, Rory McIlroy, one of the big names down the last few holes. But to get to that point, it was just a colossal amount of work. As you say, 364 days in the making, and it starts again Monday. Mm. You know, and I think the golfers are now starting to see that side of it much more than ever before. And I really respect that part of it. Simon, to your mind, if someone's coming down this afternoon or over the weekend, best place, where would you be watching from? Uh, well, the, what the great thing about Emirates Golf Club is you can go jump from hole to hole very easily. Um, we've got a new uh, grandson on the first tee, so we can see everyone tee off at the beginning and then... Uh, good spots around the course are uh, 15th greens, par 3, 16, there's a, the top golf deck, and then 17, 18. But you can go all the way onto the golf course. It, it is so close to walk around, mm -hmm. and, it, and it makes a big difference when you come to a tournament. There's going to be a very exciting atmosphere tomorrow, 35 years being celebrated, and everyone's invited to get their fancy dress on. Are you going to be going full retro? Uh, yeah, we've seen the gear. Um, oh, yes. Are you really? Not sure I'm rocking it oh, that well. Oh, come on. What are you going to uh, be wearing? Well, we, we've, I've got a little sort of flowery number <laughs> and uh, a flat cap, and uh, uh, I've seen the socks that, 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 that I've got to wear, so looking, to looking, looking forward to it, and it's, it's a bit of fun. We were sort of, uh, we sort of the, the theme sort of came. We were born born in the 80s in 1989, and uh, we're very proud of the heritage. So let, let's celebrate it, have a bit of fun about it, and hopefully the golfers will. will we've we've sort of pushed the message out <gasps> with the players. It'll be interesting to see. Some will just come up in their normal gear, but you never know. You'll get a few who'll, who'll 
certainly show their personality. Rise to the challenge. Now, if anyone is coming down tomorrow, you do want to be getting your retro golfing gear out. Um, there are some amazing prizes. I've heard little whispers about hotel stays and all sorts of gorgeous. So it really, really is worth worth it. Talking of the weekend, Zane Scotland, any predictions that you'd like to get on national radio? Any predictions? I mean, you know what, actually, Cameron Young, who's actually leading, we do tend to see when the Americans come over, they do like coming here and they do perform quite well. So he's going to be really hard to knock off that top spot. Hatong Lee, you know, being a previous champion up there again, you know, he's he's a very, like, he's an interesting player. Like, he, you don't see anything of him for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden, he he's some type of a win every now and again. Maybe that this week is his week. And, you know, we all just want to see, like, Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood do what they did last week you know, they, they, they draw the crowds and they, do, they provided plenty of drama for us and that's what we need you don't want a boring win we want a bit of a bit of bogeys a bit of birdies you know, a bit of trepidation last minute that's surprises what we want. exactly Simon you've obviously got the privileged position of seeing a lot of the behind the scenes any predictions for the next couple of days uh, not, not particularly I think the, the, the key of the tournament is if you make the cut you still got a chance to win mm. uh, this golf course is so beautifully set up and it's the best condition I've seen I've been here five years it's the best condition it has been in and the pros are singing its praises so if you make the cut you might be 10 shots behind but you've still got a chance because anything can happen around here can i ask you about that saying not necessarily about course condition as you say you know it's absolutely undeniably beautiful but the characteristics of the course here at emirates golf club you know as a pro yourself um we know what the summer thing who's in the players this would particularly lend itself to well, actually, it's, it does seem to be a little bit different this year. Some of the players say it's a bit more of a major championship kind of setup. You have to be in the fairways. You can't just hit. The, the modern game is very much around, like, you know, power. And, you know, all these guys, you know, from when I played on tour 15 years ago to now, everyone here seems to have a flat stomach and big arms. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, really, it's really changed. And it's all about hitting the ball a long, long way. But it's, this is a bit more old school. You know, just, it, you know, it is what it is. And it has got that, that kind of history. You think about, go back to some of the players, like they're really good ball strikers. You know, we've had the players that do well here tend to go on and win major championships and do well. It's a bit more old school. There's a few dog legs. You have to think your way around the golf course a bit. Of, you know, if you've been here before, mm-hmm. that helps. Maybe a caddy has been out on tour for a while and knows some secret well, little can, lines. Can I ask you about that on the inside? Role of the caddy, you know, in, in terms of what, emotional support, strategy. How was that relationship like? Well, I mean, a lot of players spend more time with their caddies than they would their wives. You know, it's, <laughs> Probably it, most it's, of them. It is quite, you know, it's quite, it's quite in-depth, really. You know, and, and, and the caddy is the last, he's the person that, will be with you every single day you have a coach who you would maybe see one or two days a week then you'll see like maybe a putting coach or your trainer but really the caddy's there every single day going through all the ups and downs you know we, we see with Till Hatton someone like that the emotions are like you know it's a lot to handle and you know they're, and they're very they're a thick skinned bunch the caddies and they have to be I find this fascinating. I really, really do. Are you a golfer yourself, Simon? I am, yes. I'm not playing as much. I'm certainly nowhere near the, the standard of the gentleman here, but uh, I enjoy a game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I need to get a bit better. Well, the, the fun thing about golf is, though, like, yeah, I may have played professionally, but we, all golfers are kind of levelled because we all go through exactly the same emotions. We all have that point where you think, I've got it. Then you have the bit where you think, I'm not even going to play again. This, I'm, I'm done with this game, completely done. And then hit one good shot. And it's like, oh, this is the best game ever. I'm back Re- tomorrow. When can I play next time? It. Yeah. And, and, and with the handicapping system, you can play. I can play against Zane. We can have a, a friendly contest and, and we can be oh, competitive. It's never, it's never friendly. Oh, <laughs> all right, lads. Get back out there. Zane Scotland will be catching up with you just after three o'clock to catch up on what is happening on that leaderboard. Simon Cockle, Executive Director. I don't know. Where, where are you going now? Not sure, but... <laughs> There's a golf buggy waiting, yes. I am sure. As we said, guys, 
if you want to come down, it is completely free, but you do need to register on the app. The family-friendly rave is starting at three. The food trucks galore. Um, and I tell you what, it's a fantastic atmosphere as well, all the way here um, until five o'clock with me and then all the way through the weekend at Emirates Golf Club with the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Now, um, it is Veganuary for some, not for me. Um, and we talked about plant-based food on the show over the last few weeks. So I feel like we need to address the balance today and we are doing it five star. Um, joining us now from West Home, one of the leaders in uh, Australian Wagyu, we've got Andrew O'Brien. Andrew, how are you? I'm well, Helen. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. Um, I am a, a pretty dedicated carnivore, um, so I'm keen to kind of pick your brains on all things Wagyu. Um, would you mind kind of busting a few myths and maybe explaining a little bit about the concept of Wagyu as a product, I guess, for want of a better phrase? Sure. Yeah, sure. So Wagyu is actually a species of cow. So it's actually, uh, it's a cow um, and originated from Japan. Um, the West Home itself as Wagyu is, is um, we were fortunate enough to be the last company actually to bring live genetics uh, from Japan uh, to Australia. Um, so there are different, I mean, whilst the species are the same, they they eat quite differently. So our, our product in Australia uh, is bred with some local product and and lives on the Australian landscape. So it's quite, they're, they're quite different eating experiences. But in mm. essence, uh, it's a cow. Does Wagyu actually mean Japanese cow? This is something I'd, I'd it read. Does, yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. Japan. Yeah. Yeah, so Wa Japan Gu Cow. So Wagyu is, uh, yeah, Japan Cow. And what about the characteristics of it um, as a, a type of beef? You know, we know of it as being, you know, one of the most luxurious and, you know, obviously one, one of the most rare as well. But why is that? Yeah, the, the, the actual species itself has um, quite a unique ability to build intramuscular fat. So, um, you know, obviously, when you, 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 you as you put on on weight, if you like, as an animal, you have fat that sits outside you that's quite visible, and then you have fat that sits inside or intramuscular fat, uh, and that's the good fat that uh, is is really adds that beautiful marbling that you see with wagyu. So when you see that white marbling that's through the through the product, and and that's that that meat uh, that fat where, when the meat's being cooked. Uh, comes through the product and actually adds that delicious flavour and eating experience that you get in Wagyu um, in Wagyu meat. Well, the flavours and the fat. Um, you supply to it some is. restaurants here in the UAE. So um, I want to talk about cooking and eating and sins against Wagyu in a minute. But if we've already got people thinking about, okay, now I'm really craving a fantastic steak, where yeah. can you find West Tom here in the UAE? So we've got some great um, uh, partners in in Dubai. Uh, you probably, I'm not sure if you're aware of um, Prime 68 at the JW Marriott. Mm, Amazing steak restaurant on the yeah, incredible steakhouse on the 68th um, floor of the the uh, in Business Bay. Uh, you know, again, if you really want a traditional, amazing eating experience for steakhouse, that'd be one to go to. Uh, Namos, if you're looking for something that's more beach related, at uh, the Four Seasons in Jumeirah, um, where they're great nice. clients of ours around the world. We work with them in Mykonos and in Lamassol, and the Namos chain at the Four Seasons do a really lovely um, job with our product. Um, there's you probably would know Sushi Samba uh, at the St Regis of the Palm. 
you, so, yeah, you it's are hooked like, up with some of the best places in town. Like, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I think sushi summer is one of those things where, the, you know, a Japanese lady marries a Latin American man and they make sushi and live music and <laughs> and turn it turn it into one of those amazing places. And it's all run by a Korean-born uh, chef, actually, Chef Moon, who just does yeah, the most incredible fantastic. job with our product. He is just amazing. Can I, so, can I ask that? You obviously got a high standard of, in terms of the people that you work with. Are you? Do you feel like as a supplier you're quite discerning? Can you explain a little bit about that side for you know us who just go in as diners? What happens behind the scenes? Yeah, I think you know we come from uh, Australian Agricultural Company, which is West Tom, um, who we are. We're actually just turning 200 years this year, uh, so we're almost one of the old, if not the oldest, Australian company, uh, and it's a it's a pretty fantastic story. And whilst we brought the last genetics out of Japan uh, to Australia about 25, 30 years ago, you know we've been we've been literally. Um, working in agriculture in Australia for just on 200 um, years. And we're fortunate enough to now own just on 16 million acres of land. So we own just over 1% of the land mass of Australia and have dedicated wow. that to growing. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, and de- dedicated that to growing to, to you know, the, the most amazing herd of Wagyu animals, uh, what we believe around the world. And so to do that, we really like to partner with great uh, great partners and great chef partners. So we don't actually retail mm-hmm. our product much. We're, most of our product around the world, we're in about 30-odd countries around the world, uh, and we work with chefs, uh, essentially. So we have an amazing distributor partner in Dubai called Whisk, um, and they help and work with us with our chef partners. And, yeah, we, we basically like to bring our product to life through great restaurants um, so that consumers can enjoy our product. Can I ask about the grading system? If you know, if someone's going sure. out for a steak and they're looking for Wagyu in particular, would you mind demystifying that a little bit for us? Oh, uh, okay. I'll do it quickly, and I'll try and do it as simply as possible. Um, grading okay. wise, in 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 Australia, there's you know there is a grading system that goes from zero to twelve. Uh, in uh, Japan, it's a um, zero to five, uh, but essentially it go. It's all about the intramuscular fat, so that marbling that you see in the meat. So the more marbling, the higher the grade. So the amount, the amount of intramuscular fat and that white marbling that you see inside the muscle of the meat is what drives the grading. So the higher, the more white you fat you see inside the the muscle, the higher it'll be. So if you're looking for a and wanting to sit down to a lovely big steak, uh, a four to five is probably a really nice grade um, of marbling that's just enough to give it the beautiful flavor and then you can eat a whole steak. Once you go to a six to seven or an eight to nine, you go to the higher grading, you probably, it's the richness of the product is beautiful and rich flavors, but you're probably wanting to eat less of it. So you're able to enjoy a okay. smaller amount of it. So it sort of comes down to the, the, the richer and therefore uh, how much of it you want to enjoy. That's really interesting in terms of a chef knowing what to do with the different grades as well and what lends itself. What about crimes against Wagyu? What has you shaking your head, just absolutely despairing mm. from a diner's from a diner's point of view? Like, we are raising the best cows on the planet and you do <laughs> this to the order? Andrew, go on, tell us ahead of the weekend, what what is a big no-no? So there aren't too many. And I think that's one of the great things about Wagyu over some other products. So overcooking is obviously one of the things a lot of people talk about. But because, again, the intramuscular fat that's inside Wagyu allows that not only that flavor when the flat fat actually then disperses and, and, and cooks through the meat, it also adds this delicious moistness to the product. So actually probably the one of the biggest no-nos normally with meat is not to overcook it. But in actual fact, the, the higher the marble score, 
the better, the more you cook it, actually, the better it tastes. So it's probably the, the anti of that, which is you know something that works very well in Dubai with us. And lastly, what else should be on the plate? I know you're working with lots of different cuisines, different chefs from different backgrounds, but for you and all the knowledge you've got, what should be on the plate in terms of sides, sauces, salt? What really works with a fantastic Wagyu? I still, I'm a bit of an old purist. Uh, I would still say the simpler, the better. And it's about the best produce you can find, the cleanest and doing the least with it. So for me, you know, some old fashioned great salt. Uh, I am a bit of a fan of horseradish. Um, and I spend a fair bit of time in the US. So they do get me a little bit when it comes to some of those lovely potato style um, nice little Hasselback potatoes. Mash, mash, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh my I, goodness, I'm, right. I'm a bit of an old well, if you keep it clean, keep it simple, cook it well, it's kind of delicious just with some salt. Yeah, if you've got the best product, doesn't need all the bells and whistles. Andrew O'Brien, we're asking people to get in touch this afternoon with their last meal on earth. I'm expecting a whole lot of influx of messages going, it's going to be a steak. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, really interesting to hear about the yeah, background heritage and also where you can enjoy that West Ham. Wishing you a lovely weekend ahead. Thank you so, so much hey. for your time. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Joining us here at the Emirates Golf Club, we've got executive chef Alfredo Albuquerque speaking to us from Lamo Vistra del Mar. Thank you. I know how busy you are, especially on a Friday, and I know you've got a big event happening next week. So thank you for joining us. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. You've been in Dubai 14 years now, yeah. um, and we're going to be picking your brains on what's happening next week because you're doing a very special collaboration. But can we go back in time? Where did you grow up, Chef? I'm growing up in Florence. It's um, Tuscany. Uh, it's, uh, I think, one of the beautiful city in Italy after Venice, so Rome. But, uh, and who was cooking? Uh, eh? Who was cooking? Who was who was making the family meals? Uh, yeah, the mother and the father was the the most inspiration for my career. Really? Yeah, yeah. What are the smells, the food that take you back to your childhood? There's <laughs> a lot of things, you know, especially when the, you wake up in the morning and then mommy was already prepare the tomato sauce for our lunch, oh, you know, wow. and you wake up with this nice smelling of basil and tomato. <laughs> of, um, I'm very jealous. So there was, there was, was there any question that you would, we were going to be a chef? Did you always want to be a chef? No, it's, a, it's something that will come later with a, is a passion, is a passion the growing up, mm. uh, the growing side, sorry. Not <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about what is coming to Lama Vista because you are joining hands for a four-hand dinner with um, a Michelin-starred chef. Tell us a little bit about Chef Pasquale. Well, well, is, uh, we, we meet each other a long time ago, like uh, in Dubai for one event that was doing uh, here in Dubai for the golf food, like uh, 10 mm. years ago. We still have a good friendship together and uh, so we come out with uh, to take uh, this dinner for hands dinner as we are an upscale seafood restaurant located in Dubai Harbor and uh, he's matching plus or minus our our aspect our designing and our type of cuisine yeah, as they coming from uh, Ischia. Ischia is a very nice island inside of uh, Italy and uh, 
So seafood with the seafood and uh, we can create something amazing. Well, we're going to find out what's on the menu next. Um, Chef Alfredo with us today. Um, if, you, if you're craving Italian, then my goodness, you are in the right place. We're going to be talking you through the menu, Chef Alfredo's um, signature dishes as well. Um, and yeah, when is it? We'll be telling you next. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are taking you to Italy now via Dubai as we're joined live in our studio here by Chef Alfredo from La Modista del Mar. We've had questions for you on the text line, Chef. I wouldn't, before we get to that, though, I want to know a little bit about what you are preparing because for two nights next week, you've got a very special guest in town, Chef Pasquale Palomaro, joining you from, uh, from his native restaurant. What is on the menu? Make us hungry. Uh, well, uh, the, the first day on Wednesday, we'll make his uh, um, plate, his uh, institution plate that they create during the years. Uh, we sponsor that one. Uh, they will be always in the menu for the first night. And the second night on Thursday night will be a four-hands dinner where we there is a four plate for my creation and four plate for his chef. So we mix what's together. O- what's on the plate though? What? Yeah, it's a mix between uh, the north to the south of Italy. The mix of uh, culture, ingredient, and uh, of course seafood uh, for. Uh, from Mediterranean Sea. What's it like sharing your kitchen? How would you feel about? I well, mean, I know he, I know he's very well qualified, but you know, even so. No, we are in the modern uh, era, no, where we can be open mind to to host, to make guests host. I wanted to ask you about cooking pasta properly, yeah. okay? Because <laughs> I've heard some theories over the years. One is that you should never snap your spaghetti to get no. it in the pan. <laughs> we hope not. <laughs> outraged at this suggestion <laughs> I'm just being practical chef um, the other thing is to find out if your pasta is cooked properly you're supposed to throw it at the wall and if uh, it's and stitch in the wall yeah if it's yeah, stitch it in the wall is that a thing <laughs> no do you do that in, the ki- in your kitchen? no no this no. is not for Italian <laughs> <laughs> so okay I feel like I feel like I'm having to like, unlearn everything <laughs> I've ever known um, for if we are cooking pasta and you're really well known for your vongole in particular how do you like to cook it? Is al dente oh, the al dream? Al dente, yes. Al what dente. does that mean? I mean, when they make creak on your teeth, like that. So still a little bit <laughs> what yeah. a lot of people might say underdone, but if it's it's perfect for yes. you. Yeah, you need to feel in your teeth. Feel on your teeth. Okay, we've had a message here, and I'm, this is from Nick. Okay, I'm going to show you this message. It says, please ask Chef why it's impossible to make focaccia the same you get in is that Liguria? Liguria? In Liguria, ah, yeah, yeah, the 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 soft one. Focaccia de uh, di Recco, thin, crispy top, and oily. Do you have focaccia in the restaurant? Yeah, of course. How do okay. you make it? I can invite her to try our focaccia. So after that, I can teach her. It's, what's uh, the, what's the secret? <laughs> is the oven? <laughs> no. Okay, I have a, so no, have no, a good focaccia oven at home. <laughs> patience. No, patience, patience, and the sequence of the ingredient when you mix on um, to to make growing the dough and uh, how you how you cook okay. on the oven to make um what about the things you need to have in your kitchen as a home cook to be able to capture italian flavors are there anything that you are never ever ever without at home or in the restaurant a little bit love oh <laughs> <Lamo>. <laughs> yes yeah that's yeah, the, yeah. the love of the cuisine yeah um 
as I said, we've stolen you away from kitchen this afternoon. If we're going to come this weekend, and I know you've got the collaboration next weekend, next, uh, next week rather, Wednesday, Thursday. In terms of stars of the menu at Lama with Damar, what are people loving right now? What are some of the dishes that you're most proud of on the, on the menu every day? Well, well, our selection of bread and our spaghetti vongole is, uh, is my signature dish that uh, I'm really proud to bring around uh, the world where I'm traveling. And, and what about desserts? Do you have a sweet tooth? Well, the, the most popular is our tiramisu. Of course. Yeah, but, uh, you know, from every chef, they change, uh, they change. But I think mine is really particular. So oh, you, you need to ask to come and try. He's backing himself on the tiramisu. <laughs> um, you've also got Valentine's Day, of course, coming up, Aretuva on the terrace and the special forehands dinner, uh, which is next Wednesday and Thursday. I'm asking all of our chefs on the show today, and you heard Zane Scotland giving his answer, your last meal on earth. Chef Alfredo, what would you have well, on your menu? Well, well, last meal. You don't need to cook it, by the way. No, Someone no, else no, is no, cooking. No, 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 no. A very crispy bread with a nice and thin slice of mortadella as a appetizer. Nice. So they can mix a nice glass, nice glass to uh, wash it drink. down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, spaghetti with pomodoro and basil. What is the you growing up? I was growing up with that one. Lucky. And a nice steak. Yeah. To <laughs> to be energy <laughs> later on. Uh, there you go, Chef Alfredo. Thank you so much for your time. We said um, earlier you are going to be joined next week in your kitchens at Lama Bistro Dama, which is just over the road. You're in Dubai, in, uh, Dubai Marina over there, um, and you can book online at Lama Restaurant. Dot com. Thank you for well, coming to see us at the golf. The, the family-friendly disco is on um, very, very soon. So uh, go and have a little dance before you get back to the kitchen and yeah. uh, <laughs> go and, go and energise yourself. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It's like a, a clash of food and golf now in, in one superstar chef. Jethan Chase Natherton is in the studio. <laughs> How are you, chef? I'm good. You are for, I mean... You need no introduction, but we'll give you anyone. One of Britain's best loved chefs, and we're lucky enough to have you here on a semi-permanent basis in Dubai because you've got several restaurants, which we're talking about, uh, City, um, City Social. I've uh, also got Seven Tails. We've got Jazz and now Row on 45 as yeah. well. I mean, your degree is just absolutely phenomenal. We are going to be talking food. Let's talk golf now. You've got your shorts on. I've got my shorts you on. You love Look, a bit of golf. I've got a little bit of tan. I've got my tan tan socks on so I'm going to take them off they're all white <laughs> <laughs> um, you love playing golf in Dubai in particular I do what's so good about the courses here so quick story uh, so what, what happened was uh, when I lived out here in the year 2000 when I arrived uh, we were setting up the restaurant and um, you know we had a lot of spare time and um, Gordon said to me well you know, why oh, sorry, don't you take up golf Gordon Ramsay you can't Gordon just Ramsay. skip over Gordon well there's only one Gordon right? there is actually there is only, you know, he, he is famous enough now where you know, <laughs> he's like Madonna exactly that right? <laughs> so, 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 so it was Gordon Ramsay that said you should take up golf so he just said why don't you take up golf and I thought good idea so I'll, it was my 30th birthday I actually booked 10 lessons here at the Emirates Golf Club with a gentleman called Andrew Whitehead what was nicknamed Red Dog and so I, I came up on the range dressed like a waiter because <laughs> all I remember is my dad going to the golf course looking smart at the weekend so I had a pair of black shoes black socks it was in the middle of summer <laughs> black trousers a white shirt and within a nanosecond mm -hmm. I was wet through from yeah. head to foot spot the said, newbie he said if you uh, are going to take this seriously I suggest you get some shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> 
<laughs> was it love at first swing? Or Absolutely, yeah. Was it? What is it that you love about the sport? Because you know what? It's not too dissimilar. If you want to be a great chef, you have to be obsessive, right? You've got to be obsessive. You've got to get, you've got to get, you've got to love having OCD. You've got to, you know. Competitive. Competitiveness. The, the, the pursuit of the mundane. So every day doing the same thing, but trying to be better at it. Mm -hmm. And that's golf to a T. And it's something like cooking, what can never be mastered. And that's isn't that interesting? Because we think about what we get from from jobs. That idea of mastery of of improving is yeah. such an important part of it. Absolutely. How do you rate your golf? <sighs> if ten being the best and one being the worst, I'd say on a good day, I'm seven or eight. Hey. And, oh no. You know, on a bad day, it can be pretty. A dismal, yeah. It can, be, it, can get, it can go as low as one, I've when got it, to say. When it's bad, it's really bad. Oh, yeah. Um, how long are you in Dubai for, Chef? Nearly a month. Wow. So we're here, um, right the other week. So we are now filming. It, you know, I'm really excited. I've done many TV shows in my life, and TV moves super quick. Mm. And I've got my first ever recommission, yes. which is amazing. Now, the, the first series, it's... Well, for anyone that hasn't seen it, yeah. it's a beautiful idea of discovery, and introducing the world to what we have here. Tell us a little bit about some of the some of the restaurants, the people that you yeah, featured on absolutely. season one. So you know, Dubai dishes. Season one was all about you know showing people that Dubai is not just you know um, brunches and sand and Instagram and five star hotels, and we, we, which is amazing. We, we like that. However, but it does do the city a bit of a disservice. We have you know a lot of culture here. We have a lot of uh, history through food. Um, you know, a lot of beautiful places what never get into the spotlight because they're just undiscovered. So I wanted to sort of show people back home that Dubai has so much more than just the shiny outer, outer layer. And if you peel that back, you have a very multicultural, beautiful city. And you have a much richer experience for coming here. It, it kind of kills me a little bit when people go, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we did a brunch or, you know, we did a desert mm -hmm. safari. But most of the time, hotel, and I'm like, did you go to the creek did you yep, you know go and exactly. go to al Sakal? did you you know or you know do a food tour with you know frying pan adventures because i think that's the idea is it's kind of going back with a bit of an insight into a city that you you know it's full of surprises it really absolutely. is absolutely um so chef you're in yep. town for a month yep between the golfing you're going to be getting into the kitchen i'm in the kitchen every day Good man. i mean i just literally left the kitchen now we're we're doing the, the new menu for Rowan 45, which will come out in about six weeks' time. Which I want to um, talk about in depth in a minute, so don't absolutely. no spoilers. Mm -hmm. Brand new menu at City Social, just being completed. Um, so that's ready now to go on over the next week. And then um, I'm filming season two of Dubai Dishes in the daytime. So I'll be filming that in the daytime, and then back in the kitchen wow. for six o'clock. So I start at 6 a.m., I finish at midnight, and I get like a, a day to myself, and that will be Gosh. given to golf. Well as it should be. Chef Jason Aston in the studio with us this afternoon. We're going to try and keep him, keep his eyes off the screen and off the <laughs> greens. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are talking food today, but as we are from the golf, we uh, thought we'd bring in Chef Jason Atherton. He's in town. He's a golf lover. We are going to be talking food next. <laughs> he has worked alongside chefs like Marco Pierre White, Pierre Kaufman, joined the Gordon Ramsay Holdings Group um, years and years ago, 25 years ago, there in Dubai, and now he is back with uh, four unique experiences at Grosvenor House. Um, last meal on earth, Chef Jason Offerton, what comes to mind? Gosh, you know, when you were saying, like, you know, I don't want to cash away onto a desert island. I mean, I live with three young young girls. I mean, gosh, sometimes it sounds good to me. Uh, <laughs> desert island on my own, a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> with a oh, luxury I'd, item be your golf, oh, golf club. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> what were you eating before you go? Right, right. So, so for me, really simple. I don't want any fancy food, right, because it's my last 
hurrah, I'm out of here. So I would have uh, duck egg, pan-fried duck egg Ooh. with uh, roasted foie gras, deviled sauce, very simple. And then for main course, I'd have steak au poivre with a big pile of fries because the love handles, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> and for dessert, I would have tart to tan for two, but I would eat it on my own. Yeah, you would. Custard, ice cream. Ice cream, vanilla ice cream all the time. Can we go back to the, to the chips? Chips, yeah. Yeah. Skinny, shoestring, chunky. What are we doing? I like them all. <laughs> you could I've do a medley. Say, I like them all. <laughs> I like the big fat duck fat chips soaking in duck fat. I like the little Frenchy fries. I like parmesan on it. I like truffle oh on it. Oh my God, I my like, mouth is watering. I like anything on it. How, have you got fries at City Social? Yes. How are you doing them? I've got torogashi, so it's a Japanese like seasoning, and then shaved parmesan all over the top. Uh, that's just the simple fries. And then I have the classic duck fat fries. Wow. Uh, in truffle salt. They go like a storm. As I said, you were here... Um, early on, uh, you know, back in 2000, 2001, opening there, uh, which to my mind was really a turning point on the Dubai dining scene. You know, fast forward 24 years, my gosh, I mean, the mm-hmm. changes, the change you've seen. How do you feel about Dubai's, Dubai now? Obviously, we can't, we won't no, talk about your restaurant. let's talk about where did 25 years go? I know. Let's, I know. let's talk 25 years. I had years, my Dubai I mean. birthday last week and I was like 17 years. Good grief. Mm-mm. 25 years. I mean, there, that was... A landmark moment, I think, for this city to have the likes of Gordon Ramsay Holdings to it, for it to be recognised internationally was was huge. That was a lot of pressure on your shoulders, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming here all those years ago, I, I had no idea what I was walking into, mm-hmm. and you know, getting good produce was tough. You know, I'm not going to lie, it was really tough. Whereas now, Dubai is, you know, it, it is literally the fastest paced city in the world. There's no two. You always think it's going to slow down. It just gets faster, right? It's like you think at some point it's going to have to slow down, but it just the ball gets bigger and it just gets faster and faster. And, you know, we're very lucky now that 25 years later, we have some of the best produce in the world. I mean, if you see what we're using at Row on 45, the produce is just insanity. We could never have had that all those years ago. I also feel like the chef community's really changed over the last few years as well. This idea of like collaboration, of, you know, coming together, supporting each other. I know you were saying before, between filming the new series, between cooking in the kitchen, you haven't got much time. Have you had any opportunities to eat out and about? Yeah, absolutely. I went to, I took the team to Oceana um, because we're shot on Monday, Tuesdays at Row. So I, I took the team there. I want them to experience it. Mm-hmm. And Chef Gregoire took very good care of us. You know, the menu's evolved. He's got a new menu called a Scala on there at the moment. What is just world class. And, you know, he's really pushing the boundaries, which... I think is exactly what the city needs. Um, you know, it doesn't need any more chefs just sort of, um, you know, popping in for, you know, a couple of weeks and then never coming back. It's yeah, not it's like about the that anymore. It's investment in it, isn't it's it? Too, that's why for us, when we did Rome 45, it, it takes a lot of my time, which, mm. you know, I've dedicated a lot of my spare, well, what, any time, I don't really have spare time, but I've dedicated a lot of my calendar to to making sure that row mm. is world-class. And that's, that's our dream for it to be the very, very, very best. And that takes effort. We're going to unpack that menu after half past Chef Jason Afton. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back to Dubai Dining, anywhere else is on your watch list? Absolutely. You? I will pay a visit back to Kenoi. I, I always go every time I'm in the city. I like Rascals for a good old sandwich. Oh, Rascals sandwiches are amazing. Love it. What's your favorite one? I like the, uh, have you had the Japanese milk bread with yes. the sweet corn and the tuna and the cheese and they melt it? Yeah, I love that. The, oh my gosh, the, I dream yeah, about the, that. the crispy chicken one I think about a lot and the pastrami as well. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And the guys are great. I think, I think it is really nice to think about these homegrown brands and, and, and doing, doing so, so well. Um, I was going to come back to the produce piece you were talking about earlier. 
in terms of seasonality, you know, where we are, you know, think of comparing to the UK, it's all about like those winter warmers and, you know, your kind of comfort foods. And then we look around now and the sun is shining, the weather's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. How does it impact in terms of produce and how you even formulate the menus when you think about what's available and what is in season? So, so what we do, Ro, we, you know, we, we always work with the Japanese fruit calendar for, for our desserts and for a couple of dishes. What? Hang on. A Japanese fruit calendar. Yeah. What on earth is that? Well, you know, Emirates Airlines now they fly they fly fresh produce in from Japan daily. Wow. And we, you know, everyone, you know, anyone who's a foodie knows that the Japanese fruit is, is some of the best on the planet. So, like, like such as what? And what, what season are we in now so, on the so Japanese fruit calendar? Believe it or not, it's strawberry season there really? at the moment. So, Moya strawberries from, uh, I can never pronounce this right, Fukari. Well, I wouldn't know the difference, so that sounds like a great pronunciation and these are, to me. As soon as we take them out of the fridge and they just start to temper, the whole room just fills with this very fragrant, very flowery strawberry smell. And you put them in your mouth, it's just like, oh my God, they're just amazing. So, yeah. in, so are there strawberries on the menu right now? They are. Okay. With, we, we serve them with, um, we do our version of a British jelly and ice cream, um, but it's not just jelly and ice cream as, you, we, as we would of know it. It's, it's got uh, matcha green tea. It's got your little yogurt crystals, which take about five days to make. Um, and then you only get a little bit and you think, why, why did we bother? But they taste so good. That's why we That's bothered. why you bothered. We're uh, going to be talking about the full menu and the concept behind Row on 45 in just a few minutes. Chef Jathan Athen is with us in the studio. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I was going to say he's one of Britain's best loved chefs, but I think we can say Britain, Dubai and beyond best loved chefs, uh, owner of multiple Michelin starred restaurants, Jason Athen with us. And here in Dubai, we've got four concepts now. Yes. You're basically taking over Dubai Marina. Um, tell us a little bit about where you are and why you are there. Why have you chosen Grosvenor House to uh, to be your second home? Because, you know, Grosvenor House Hotel was always, I always remember, you know, Pam, when she um, first started driving the hotel, uh, you know, had some of the best concepts coming in, you know, and, and I, I mean, I don't like the word concepts, but I, uh, you know, I suppose that's what they are, right? Yeah, and, and they backed it and up as well. Right? Exactly, and they built, be- and, you know, and you can go into Budabar today and it's 20 odd years old and it still looks like brand new. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to have a partner who understands that, you know. So um, so when I joined Growing House, I was super happy to join Pam and we shared the dream together of building something really spectacular to to, to, to keep the hotel moving forward as far as F&B is concerned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pam came to London, um, fell in love with City Social, so we decided to put that because it's at the top of the tower in London. And now it's at the top of the Grosvenor House in Dubai. Which one has the best views? I think Dubai, you know. You've I think got the water, it's beautiful. Got, yeah, I mean, you know, because you look at one terrace, you've got the beautiful palm. You go the right, you've got the Burj, which is iconic. You mm. go left, you've got the marina and the and the, the wheel. And it's just, yeah, it's really, really special stuff. How do you explain, I'm going to say it, the concept of City Social? <laughs> but, you know, in, in a nutshell, what's, what's, the, what's the philosophy? What's the DNA of that restaurant, Chef? City Social is modern European cooking. Um, in, we call it interrupted by Japanese flavors. So I'm all, I've been obsessed by Japan for many, many years. Uh, and Asian flavors in general anyway, right? Uh, I just think they bring a lot of umami, a lot of richness, a lot of um, acidity to dishes. What can tend to be, if they're pure French or, or, or pure European, can tend to be quite rich. Mm. So it tends to lighten Cut the food up a little it. bit. So I, I, I really like that. So that made that sort of my mantra, and that's what I do. Is there a dish on the menu that you feel like kind of really sums up that philosophy? Absolutely. Native lobster. Um, which we, we, we blanch them, we um, then take them out of the shells, put them back in, we put them onto a, a wood-fired grill, um, and then we uh, finish that with uh, 
yuzu and sea urchin butter and uh, Singapore chili crab dressing. Oh and we serve it with montan buns. You know, they're lovely little deep fried um, dough, dough balls and you sort of like scoop all the sauce up once you've eaten the lobster. Oh my goodness. To die for. Tummies rumbling all over the city. And then we can go up to Seven Tails, mm-hmm. which ties in, you know, beautifully with your love of Japan. Yep. Ex- explain a little bit more about that. Well, that's a cocktail bar. What has, um, uh, its DNA is the Seven Tails of the Samurai. So all the famous samurais, what are still taught in, in to school kids today. So we take those as our heroes, and then we, we make a, a cocktail on behalf of each samurai. So the essence of Exactly. Them. And we change that every season with what's coming into season with the fruits and the... And the Japanese the, fruit calendar. Exactly. We every, love a Japanese every fruit day's calendar. A, every day's a school day. <laughs> um, jazz by City as yep. well. Um, love of music, love of food this idea of it being kind of a third place and that kind of homely relaxing but so elegant exactly how has it been it's been going great you know it's, it's doing exactly what i wanted it to do there's a lot of long-term residents what um stay with pam at the grosvenor house mm. what um necessarily don't want the noise of seven tails or, or or that type of stuff but want something really sophisticated the food simple it's based on New York grill food, so lots of steak, lots of Boston cocktails, death by chocolate, that type of stuff. Uh, where you can, we don't sell the table twice. You, you you take the table; it's yours for the evening, and you just sit there, you know, wind that, you know, have a beautiful meal, listen oh, to jazz music. Sounds dreamy. Live jazz, beautiful views, and it's just a bit of a grown-up place to go, really. Let's talk Rowan Forty Five because I feel like this has been in such an incredible career, such a, a pinnacle, um, yeah. because it's. Well, you'll be able to explain better than me, but in terms of distilling everything you've learned Mm -hmm. over how many courses? 17 courses. Wow. And I've got to say, I was cooking there last night, right? And it's, you know, I can wholeheartedly say this. It's probably the best food I've ever cooked in my entire life. Um, This menu is just, you know, and I'm uh, I'm sorry, I I think I deserve to sort of big myself up on this. It is literally absolutely amazing. Okay. And I just... So proud so proud of it i'm so the feedback from the guest is just it makes your hair stand on end it's just it's everything chefs dream about it's just you know it's just the most incredible restaurant and it's had so much praise from dubai diners but also within the chef community and i think that recognition is really really important can we talk about some of the dishes because as we said we're going into season two of the menu yeah what um what do you what are you keeping and what are you going to be introducing, Chef? So there's a DNA to there's a DNA to the menu. So it's very important that 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 stays true. So mm. so we I I take um, prime Japanese ingredients, pretty much mo- most of it. There's there's ten percent what comes from Europe, ninety percent comes from Japan, and um, it has to be in season. And in Japan, they have micro seasons. Um, so we use everything from the samagari fish, which is a very unique uh, fish. There's not many caught, so it's very difficult to find. It lives very, very deep, so it has a very high fat content. And when you cook it very slowly, it's just, it's, it's very difficult to explain. It's just literally like, it's like a an opera in your mouth. You know, it's just unbelievable. It just wow. goes, the flavor just goes on forever and ever and ever. Um, the liver the liver on that fish is also highly prized. It's almost like, the, they call it the foie gras of the sea. Right. Um, so we use the liver in the sauce. So we cure it just like a, a like a foie gras tureen. And then, uh, then we uh, turn it into butter. And then we emulsify the sauce to go with it. Um, the very first one of the things I'm very proud of is the very first uh, snack. So you start in the sham, you start in the in the lounge area, um, up, up with a beautiful view of um, the palm, and then you sit there and you know you you, you order your 
drink of choice and then you have three little snacks to go with that in in what sort of like balanced in flavor one first one is oysters and pills based on um the first ever dish i had for thomas keller all those years ago but much more different okay you know? so it's that's so that, that's the inspiration that's the inspiration point yeah and how is it translated to 2024 row on 45 it, it, absolutely so it's a sake yuzu um uh, macaroon un- underneath uh, on top of that is a cucumber jelly, which fits on it perfectly like a disc. On top of that, then, is a little um, round uh, um, um, segment of um, N25 Ossetra Golden Caviar, some of the finest in the world. And then on top of that, a little oyster bavoir, which has been dipped in uh, beurre blanc. And then tiny little bits of yuzu uh, on top of that, and then little bits of dill frong. So when it looks, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of art, and it's literally tiny. Your, your brain bite. is really astounding to me when you think about... I often think about music and food. Yeah. You know, we think about, you know, you've only got so many notes, but, you know, depending on your background or your mm-hmm. tastes, you know, it's it's an infinite combination. But when it, you know, it comes to food, it's, just, it's the same in terms of that inventiveness, but the the ease that you can kind of tap into, I mean, that's just that's just pure passion, isn't it? You know, you know all of this so, so well. It's like a singer who can remember the lyrics to, you know, every song they've, they've ever yeah. sung. Yeah, yeah. Um, and still so excited by it. I think that's what's been so inspiring. We've had a message here going, 17 courses, question mark, exclamation mark. But it doesn't feel like it, honestly. You know what the biggest compliment is? Um, you know, we had a table of four in there last night, and they just said, we just don't want it to end. Wow. Can, can you, can we, we just don't want it to end. Let's go we again. Can't, we can't wait to come back. <laughs> and you know, there's a few restaurants in my life, like Restaurant Francine in Stockholm, Chef's Table Brooklyn Fair in New York. Um, Bennu in San Francisco I've gone and I felt exactly the same it was I mean one of them was 25 courses and then me and my wife sat there and going, we could just go outside for a walk come back and do it all over again and it's not just testament to a really well thought out menu that it's it's cerebral as well as you know delicious because Absolutely. you've thought about the flow of ingredients you've thought about that whole and the whole experience because at row 145 you, you know you're moving around different places as well absolutely um I was a message going um where and when, which I think is a, is a great point. So Grosvenor House, but in terms of the, the days it's available, it's, it's become really highly prized because you do limit, of course, the number of diners, but also the yeah. days that you're cooking. I mean, it's only, we only do 22 guests. That's the maximum we can do. And sometimes it's as little as 16 because it depends how many people are on each table. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can absolutely, and it's not just, of course, the menu is the single most important thing, but it's also the service, the standard, the quality. Every part of your, your night is taken care of, you know, so we take very, very good care of you from very start to finish. All four hours is the whole thing's thought out and you you don't just dine in one room you dine in three different rooms depending on what part of the menu you're on which makes it more exciting with mm. a different view different crockery different cutlery different glassware um, and it's just yeah I mean, it's just the dream it's well, really it's, the chef's it dream shot to the bucket list of every Dubai foodie I know so huge mm-hmm. congratulations on everything you've achieved chef thank, thank you, you so so much Wednesday to Saturday Wednesday to Saturday, there you go. Dinner only. Tony, there you go. Dinner only. Wednesday to Saturday, 17 courses, but limited diners, and you're going to have to get in there quick. We've been asking everyone, um, Chef, their their last meal on earth, and yeah. James is including your stuffed tomato as his his dream starter, oh, which I remember from... Yes. Uh, it's from on the a city. We do a version of it at city. Is it? What's so it come like? have it. So we uh, this one we stuff with, uh, we make a, a caramelized black miso aubergine puree that sits in there with fresh burrata and then ratatouille at the bottom. And then we just seal it all up and then we glaze it like we used to do in the old days with oh a little bit of balsamic gosh. and olive oil. It's amazing. Chef Jason Atherton, your work here is done. I said, just said, need to make us hungry. And I think you've <laughs> absolutely excelled. Wish you, you're going to get out and watch some golf oh, now? Oh, well, yeah. I'm going to go and see, see some of the boys smash it down the fairway and, and walk off uh, very upset that I can't even get half as far as they. Hey.
Hey, listen, <laughs> you can't be a master of everything. I know. I mean, it's brilliant to have you back in Dubai. Great to have you back in the kitchen Great, and go out time. and enjoy yourself. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.